Welcome to the Life Academy Podcast. Hi friends, Doug Pratt speaking to you for the Life Academy from First Church of Benita Springs. And this is a Christian perspective on hell and heaven, parts one and two. I need to give an initial disclaimer that I'm going to be offering a Christian perspective, not the only Christian perspective. There are differences of viewpoint and opinion across denominations and theological traditions, even within denominations and traditions. It is possible that some of the other pastors of this church have differing views and convictions on some of these fine points. And I offer these thoughts to you, our congregation of First Church, and any others who may hear this podcast for thought and reflection. I am not a world-class theologian or scholar. I'm just a pastor with decades of experience in studying and proclaiming Scripture and in ministering to the minds and souls of my congregations. As an ordained minister in the Reformed tradition, I affirm my vow that, for me, the ultimate authority is always the Bible even if I may not be able to perfectly understand it. And I humbly acknowledge only God truly knows and understands all the mysteries that lie beyond the boundaries of human abilities to grasp. There are and always have been many strong views on the topics of hell, heaven, death and eternity, what lies beyond the grave. Some of these are rational and some of them are visceral or emotional. There have been thousands of years of speculation and opinions offered, some by very bright and analytical thinkers, others not so much. In fact, we have been bombarded with lots of mass market caricatures of demons with pitchforks and burning sulfur and cherubs floating on clouds, playing harps with pearly gates. Well, I invite you to put those caricatures aside. Let's assume that they are all simplistic and even wrong. We will try to think afresh today without those warped images in our minds. Now, the ultimate problem is that we are dealing with things we have no firsthand knowledge of and things that are, by definition, completely outside our world and all our capacities to observe and measure. We also have a number of puzzle pieces scattered throughout the Bible various references or images of hell and heaven, but we don't have one solitary, comprehensive, and detailed teaching. And thus, even the most skilled theologians and Bible scholars have to fill in a lot of blanks and try to make inferences from limited data. Imagine that a puzzle was dumped out on the table before you, but you had no box top to show you what the puzzle pieces would look like. And so, painstakingly, by assembling them, you have to begin to guess what the ultimate image will be. I want to begin by identifying some foundational truths. If these are all an accurate description of reality, then we can talk about hell and heaven based at least on some common ground. But if a person rejects any of these truths I'm about to share with you, then they will not be able to understand from a Christian perspective the concepts of eternal reward and eternal punishment or annihilation. So here they are. These are my assumptions or foundational truths. Number one, 
that there are dimensions beyond the three that we are able to perceive with our human senses and our measuring instruments. These extrasensory dimensions are spiritual and eternal. There are forces or beings in the universe that we cannot completely grasp, but they have an impact on us in some way. A second foundational truth. Human beings have a spiritual and eternal dimension to each of us, even though completely unobservable and unmeasurable. We are, in a sense, amphibians. An amphibian, of course, can live both in water and on land, and we are living in both a physical and a spiritual dimension at the same time. The mortal or physical body and the brain live for a comparatively short period, but the spiritual person lives beyond physical death. Foundational truth number three, there is such a thing as true evil. Not just natural forces that happen to be inconvenient to a creature, such as a storm or a volcano or a virus, which if it impacts us negatively, we might perceive as being evil, but Far beyond that, there is a moral evil that is the opposite of the qualities of God's character, and that true evil is opposed to and actively working against God. Foundational truth number four, human beings have the capacity to make free choices and to be responsible for their consequences. Unlike all other animals on this planet, we can choose to act contrary to our self-interest and act according to different or higher principles or values. Every human of normal intelligence and mental health has an inborn sense that there is right and wrong, and we make moral choices continually. Foundational truth number five, there are consequences to moral choices, and they are experienced not only in our mortal lifetime, but they carry on beyond death. And finally, foundational truth number six, every human being has consciously and intentionally committed moral evil, often referred to in the Bible as sin. That evil may have consequences to other people. Often it does hurt others, but it is always a disobedience of a holy God and deserves his proper punishment and separation. If you will grant that those are truths, assumptions upon which we base our assessment, we are ready to move on now to considering what the Bible has labeled hell. Hell is defined as the complete absence of God and all his holy moral qualities. Hell is not a physical location. And hell is not a capricious punishment by God with no rationale but rather it is the consequence of a human's moral choices during life. And thus no one is in hell apart from their freely made choices. Now the images of fire and brimstone and physical pain can only be faint analogies of a spiritual reality. A person without a body or nerves, after all, cannot experience physical pain. In the condition or the state of hell, again, not a place, it is possible that human beings will reserve some kind of spiritual eternal 
torment or pain. Or it is possible that human souls will cease to exist in any real or personal way. I lean towards the latter of the two options. If, after all, the good, admirable, and lovable qualities of a person during their mortal lifetime are solely because of the person's image-bearing of God, which is how the book of Genesis begins, describing us as unique among all creatures on earth because we are made in his image. And all of those qualities that make us image-bearers of God, and thus truly human, would disappear after death. Thus, the person who dies in a state of alienation from God will have that divine image removed, and they will therefore become pure evil, which is defined as the absence of God. The true person, therefore, no longer exists and cannot really be mourned except for the memory of their earthly life and its good qualities. But they, as a person, are gone because all of what made them human and lovable is taken away by the absence of God. Now, God speaks to humans through conscience, and he also speaks to human beings through other people, and he also primarily speaks through his own self-revelation. Because of this, no one can claim to have had no chance, even if what they know is very little about God conceptually. Moral choices come not from knowledge, but from the will, what the Bible calls the heart. The moral choices of humans to either respond to God's gracious appeal to them to turn to him or to reject that appeal are fixed and final at the moment of death and can no longer be changed. The human being instantly becomes a pure spirit when the body dies. Just as Satan and his demons, having made their choice to rebel against God, cannot alter that choice as pure spirits, so human spirits, released from mortal bodies, are permanently set either in submission or rebellion. I do not believe, as much as some have hoped and wished for it, that there's any biblical ground for believing in a second chance after death. God, who is perfect in knowledge, is not capable of making a mistake about a person's moral choice because he knows everything perfectly and infallibly, and a soul's eternal condition is enacted immediately. As C.S. Lewis has memorably written, all those in hell have chosen it. Now, this is obviously not a pleasant or enjoyable topic, but it's necessary that we talk about it. It's clearly and undeniably a major theme of the Bible. But I hope you'll return to hear part two when we will proceed to discuss a Christian perspective on heaven. This is Doug Pratt for The Life Academy. Thank you for joining us for this Life Academy episode. We encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy our podcast, please share it with your friends and family. 